I'm in Portland, Oregon, and I don't like KISS or the solo works of any of the members of the bands of KISS. As I'm saying this, I believe I may have sung that song in the show before. For that, I'm sorry. Really, I'm actually sorry for doing it just there. It's all around a sorry, sorry thing. So, welcome to the Alex cast. Please, have a sandwich. As you may have heard in the last episode, or the episode before that, or the episode before that, Everything went toe-up, shitty, broken. Oh, good God. Oh, good God. The horror, the horror, recently. I've now done things that I'm not proud of to men in bathrooms. Oh, that's got nothing to do with the story I was about to tell. Sorry. I've now gotten the podcast back on its feet, and to the point that I can speak into microphones, and have that microphone go into a recording device. Have that recording device do something. But I can also go on Skype. So, fuck yeah. Woo-hoo. Assuming you like the show. If you don't like the show, then this is this is really bad news for you. Because it seems as if I will be around for a bit longer. I don't know if it's the new board or the way I have it set up, but I really feel like my voice sounds kind of extra sexy right now. I've got like a bit of like a throaty kind of baritone bravado to it. Like I've got a bit of balls underneath. It's kind of nice. I'm going to assume that it's the new board and the way that it's treating my headphones, because as we all know, I have a voice like a middle school lesbian. Speaking of middle school lesbians, I don't know how to transition into what I wanted to tell you guys about. And by tell you guys about, I mean, I don't know. So I have a bunch of questions from the audience, as I like to do these solo shows, is... um, taking questions for the audience. Oh, first and foremost, though, I want to tell you guys, um, last episode, I thanked a bunch of people for um, helping out the podcast. I left somebody off the list uh, purposefully, but now I kind of think maybe it was a mistake. Anyway, thank you, Tyler. Oh, pardon me. I had a bit of a bit of burp there. Oh, jeez, heaven forfend. I embarrassed myself and my family. I shall now commit seppuku. Um, I wanted to thank Tyler. Now, I didn't thank him during that because I've said it on the show a bunch of times. Uh, that you know, he's kind of the patron saint of the Alexcast. I think it's the phrasing I've used. Uh, he's the one that has been the technical guru advisor. But um, I didn't because I was trying to think of people that are directly involved with the, like, kind of the this uh, iteration of be breaking something. But I was like, yeah, that's kind of fucked up because I wouldn't even be at this iteration of fucked up, fucking fuck, the fuck, fuckery, fuck, 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 fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck, 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 fuck. Fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck, 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 noise, noise, smoking weed, smoking weed, doing coke, drinking beers, that grass, my good man, time to smoke some weed and something, 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 clerks. So anyway, um, I was trying to do the thing of this round of fuck up. Sorry, thank you, Tyler. I don't even know if you've been listening to this one, but I felt it was my sacred duty to mention him. I also believe it is my sacred duty as held uh, from the heavens, not held from the heavens, like uh, behested from the heavens, handed down from the heavens, given forth from the heavens, that I should tell you about a couple of things. I want you guys to go to iTunes and type this into iTunes. Go to the podcast section. When you're there, leave a review for the Alex cast. Awesome. If it's a shitty review, you're a jerk. Don't do that. Leave a good review. But the real reason you're going to go there is you want to type this in. S-T-A-G-N-A-T-I-O-N. Stagnation. If that doesn't come up, try two Gs, because I actually didn't write it down. But anyway, that's Matt Staggs, uh, our friend from, uh, you know him from the Disinfo podcast, which I don't know if he's doing that anymore. But anyway, uh, wonderful uh, Twitter personality, at Matt Staggs. 
yeah, so anyway, you should check him out. He is a wonderful man in Stagnation. is a cool podcast, and he's just getting off the ground. He has one of my favorite sections of any podcast ever, and I was about to say I wish I had thought of it, but it, even if I had, it wouldn't have. But he does a thing called Five Minute Therapist, and if I have the number wrong, my mistake. But he gets, you know, kind of notable people to give him advice for five minutes. Um, the f- one I listened to was Kevin Allison, I think, from, uh, well, I know him from the state, and I'm sure he's done a lot of wonderful things uh, th- since then. And I don't even know if that's his name. But the, the um, if you recall from the state, the Jew, the Italian, and the redhead gay who all live together on Avenue A, uh, they have crazy adventures from day to day. The Jew, the Italian, and the redhead again! Um, that one that did the big uh, gay thing. Oh, that was fun, because then they went into... Uh, that kind of God spell dance number. I should watch the state again. So speaking of the state, uh, we're talking about stagnation. But anyway, yeah, uh, I think it was Kevin. I was the redhead from uh, the state. So he uh, is fucking. Uh, that was fun, and uh, Matt Stags is wonderful. Uh, on that note, as well, I said it on the show. Maybe I did. Who cares? But uh, the Gas House po- uh, podcast. Uh, so it's um, the Gas House. You can find them at gaspod.com. Uh, gas spelled with two s's. And Twitter is at the Gas House. Um, yeah, so it's James Gas. He was on um, his previous show was uh, maybe he's still on it. It's like a beer review show, which uh, I was not familiar with. Actually, I still not. I'm not gonna lie, but he's a nice guy. We've been kind of talking slightly. He's friends with Martin J. Clemens at Fourteen Writer, so he gets the thumbs up. Anyway, um, that's that. On that note, go to uh, Paranormal People Online. Check out Martin's work. MysteriousUniverse.org and find his stuff there as well. I'm done talking about other people's stuff. Let us talk about my stuff. The reason you're here is hear some fat idiot in a basement talk about nonsense. Okay, I don't want to answer any questions right now. Here's what I'm going to talk to you about because it just popped in my head. Hermes Trismegistus. I don't know if yet that's how you say his name because everything I know about occultism, I know from reading books. Not everything. I mean, there's some stuff I, I listen to random uh, podcast and documentaries and whatnot. But the way I'm going to pronounce his name is Trismegistus. This is the important thing. There is this weird overlap of certain god constructs and secret societies. One of which, and this is kind of the important one, the heartbeat of it, is Thoth. Uh, he is the Ibis-headed god from Egypt. You've seen him. He's the one that introduced mathematics and, for me, importantly, writing to humans, according to the Egyptian mythology. He's also known as Dehuti. If you were in ancient Egypt, if you said, hey, where's Thoth? They would, you know, be like, what the fuck is this thing here? He's massively taller than everyone else and and speaks in a language we've never heard, and we've never heard of any of these words. But if you said, hey, where's Dehuti? They would probably kill you because I'd recognize you saying one of their gods' names, or maybe deify you or something. The point is, um, his other name is Dehuti, but he's one of the really important uh, parts of kind of modern occultism, modern, um, I shouldn't say modern, like just kind of the, the roots of occultism and kind of the secret society tradition and alchemy all goes back through Thoth. Now Thoth, when that kind of, um, those belief systems, I'll call it, got to Greece, they kind of, um, what do you call it, conflate, uh, overwrote combined, uh, usurped, did something. He, you know, they kind of, they took the aspects of, of Thoth and turned him into, uh, and then kind of combined it with Hermes, uh, one of their gods. I think he was the kind of deliverer god, you know, the guy with the little wingy shoes, I believe that's who he was. But he was, again, a uh, god of, like, kind of writing and um, transportation of ideas. So, he gets Hermes, so Thoth kind of combines with Hermes, and Trismegistus means thrice great. That's actually kind of confusing, and I'm not going to be able to do it off the top of my head, but it's just whatever. His name is Hermes Trismegistus. This is the important thing. So, the occult tradition goes that they found these things called the uh, the uh, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, or the Emerald Tablets Tablets of Hermes, uh, the the Egyptian Emerald Tablets, Emerald Tablets of Wisdom, etc., etc. This is all these things. Like many of the other things of uh, great wisdom and stockhold of, of, of world-changing knowledge, uh, no one knows where they are, and apparently they got lost or something, or maybe they were only psychically available. But the point is, they were the tablets that were uh, apparently written by Thoth slash Hermes Trismegistus, and they told the story 
of kind of the real history of humanity. Again, it gets a little confusing, but it's ancient ascended masters, Lemuria, Mu, Atlantis, la da la 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 la, a bunch of, bunch of hub blah 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 blah. So, but it's a story of mankind. That's the important part. That's not the important part. This is yeah, basically enough. This is all set up. The occult tradition uses Egypt as one of the kind of one of the 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 tent poles uh, in which you know to set up its its the circle of its a circus of wonderfulness. One of the other tent poles is is Gnosticism, which is first century common era uh, common era is what um, people that don't like Jesus call uh, AD. Um, Gnosticism is a sequence, it's a system of thought about, uh, Christian-ish. Overriding idea is that, you know, Jesus was uh, a messenger from the real gods, and that the god of the Old Testament is actually, uh, essentially what we would call the devil. He's an evil god, like he's, he's to be killed. And through that, Gnosticism is knowledge. So having knowledge of that is to be able to overcome the evil god. Again, super complicated. That's another important one. The other, the other uh, temple is the uh, Hebraic uh, traditions, and that's the uh, building of the Temple of Solomon. Okay, it's, I know this is fucking weird, and I'm not being very specific because this is off the top of my head. And honestly, I didn't think I was going to talk about this because it just popped in my head for no good reason. But because it popped in my head for no good reason, I'm going to talk about it because that's what I do on the show. And I felt like since this is my return voyage to the land of podcasting, I felt like I should just ramble. So, Solomon. There's also a bunch of uh, magical systems that come from this. Uh, keep in mind, magic and occultism are very much overlapping, intertwined, some kind of strange Mobius-like thing, but they're not technically the same thing. Um, occultism just means hidden, and then magical systems kind of work within that. But um, So the keys of Enoch and the keys of Solomon um, are kind of this combined concept, um, not to get into that too deeply, but that's a magical system. The other magical system is alchemy. And this goes back to Hermes Trismegistus, and this goes back to the Gnostics. That alchemy is, literally, the term alchemy comes from Egypt. The old uh, Egyptians, obviously, the ancient Egyptians didn't call themselves Egyptians. They they, uh, they, uh, they called their lamb Chem, or Chemet, um, which is, I think it translates to, like, the black land, or uh, the land of the black soil. Something along those lines. Um, but it's, you know, the, the Fertile Crescent. So that's that's alchemy. It's alchemy. It's, it's the, it's the um, magical system of chem. Um, this is, um, they think um, the, the, uh, the magi in the Bible theoretically related to this. Uh, this is where chemistry comes from. Chemistry. It's because the original alchemists, as we have heard in the tradition, is trying to turn uh, lead and other substances into gold. Well, and the uh, the Gnostics, one of the theories is that the Gnostics, the hidden knowledge that they're holding, the occult knowledge, occult gnosis, Gnostics, that they're holding is the secrets of alchemy. It's the secrets of the magicians of chem. Uh, the trans transmutation of base metals into gold. So, continuing on, because you can't be finding this interesting, what that actually is, and it's sort of a mistranslation, is that it's not turning a base metal into gold. It's turning you, your soul, your, your I think they call that your ka or your pa, I forget, it's one of the two, into gold. It's, it's enlightenment, uh, as it would be used in other systems, it becoming a, uh, a bodhisattva in, in, in the Buddhist religion, or becoming, you know, like one of those walking saints for the Christians, or just becoming a, an enlightened master, or whatever you want to call it. So the turning a base metal into gold is actually to increase your worth by using this kind of spiritual slash magical tradition system, the occult system, the magical system. So Hermes Trismegistus uh, is the root of one of those. That's where the kind of alchemical thing comes from. The Keys of Solomon and Nakian side overlaps with Gnosticism, but that's where the Freemason side comes from, theoretically the Illuminati there. They're in-house wisdom says that they can trace their ancestors back to um, um, Abraham Abib, uh, Abram Abib. I, don't quote me. That's the wrong name, but it's something like that. That he's the architect of the um, the the 
Temple of Solomon, the Great Temple of Solomon, whatever. And that that's what the Freemason, that's what the um, the symbolism of the compass and level are, is that the the hidden knowledge, much like the knowledge of uh, transmutating y yourself from a base person into a person of quality, they're using that as the metaphor of the knowledge to build um, knowledge to build the great architecture of back then. Uh, they refer to that as the sacred geometries, the sacred sciences. Um, there's these kind of formulas that were around that were you know considered the sacred shapes. Uh, the, the famous one is the Merkaba. Uh, there's also the, the Fibonacci sequence, which I know it's Fibonacci is much later, but the Fibonacci sequence is a well-known thing. You can see it in the architecture of Egypt. Um, but yeah, okay, so those are the two main things. And those are the things that kind of uh, echo through to now. So when I say thank you, Thrice Great Hermes, and thank you, Thoth, and, uh, you know, the... the Gnostic, the Gnostic gods, who I can't think of their name, and thank you for hating the other gods. I mean it in that. The reason I go into this is nothing. It just popped my head, and I wanted to explain it to some people, because sometimes explaining stuff helps you get it straight in your head. But I just wanted to, it was more the alchemy thing, and that's why I went into it, is that all these systems, as much as they're kind of scary, I guess some people say, like, I find, I find myself getting almost awkward in certain conversations when I try to, when I refer to like my spiritual system because I don't I don't like have a name for it but like like I say I'm an occultist but I'm that doesn't mean anything that is in fact I'm the opposite of an occultist because the occultist is, is hidden and I'm yapping into a microphone about I mean the, these are secrets that would have been you know the most highly kept things but I'm just like you know I'm fine with yapping it because well I mean at some point somebody else yapped it and I read it in a book that was published by a press no one's ever heard of but uh yeah but it's weird because when you say occultist it, it brings up this you know demon summoning weirdness when it, it's not that that's this that's the negative propaganda from the church essentially you know and using the church with the capital c you know just the the um the loyal opposition let's put it that way so I know I can't say that, and then if I say uh, I practice chaos magic, I don't I don't like that either because now chaos magic has become almost a system unto itself that it'd be almost like saying like you know like I practice Wicca or something, and the term chaos magic also evokes this kind of I mean it's got the word fucking chaos in it and the word magic which frankly is a little weird because as we just discussed and I showed you that we're not talking the magic the alchemy of turning base metals into gold we're talking about the the we're talking about the alchemy of meditating every day and and becoming a better person you know we're talking about the alchemy of enlightenment of of changing yourself into something better not changing uh you know not changing the physical world into something else although that is part of it i mean that's certainly a major component to magic practice and magical works but yeah i don't know why i went into that i mean i know why i went into that because i was describing the occult thing but I hope that helped. I hope that was interesting to somebody. I don't know if it was. I I think it was. I mean, I don't think I don't know if that was like the way I said it, but the things that I learned and all that stuff I find super interesting. I spent years studying it, and that was like the most brief overview ever. But I think that I, you know that might help you a little bit if you don't if you don't if you're not familiar with with the terms. And if you want to ask me about it, I'd be happy to tell you. Um, we can talk. You can be like, hey, Alex, what are you doing? And I'll be like, oh, I'm just making, doing some sigil work. And you're like, how does that work? Or you're like, here, let me show you some handy walkthroughs of how to, you know, write your intentions onto the universe and, you know, create magic. I mean, who knows if it's magic? Anyway, the point is, you should say I'm a chaos meditator. But that's also terrible. So, you know, I'm a meditating occultist. Um, I, I, you know, so I'm stuck with occultist, which sucks because it's a, it's a loaded word. And I don't really like belonging to stuff. Anytime I like belong in a group, I start to get a little uncomfortable. I'm not really great with group think. Um, and I'm not good when people have to tell me how to do stuff. I, that bothers me too. Like you have to have like a codified rule, a codified like system of rules. Oh, that can, oh, here's, <clears throat> oh good, I just found a, I found a segue. I was watching The Sons of Anarchy. Um, I don't know if the show's still on there, but I was watching it on the, on the Netflix because I just wanted something to kind of turn my head off a little bit. <clears throat> uh, the, if you're not familiar with it, it's a program about uh, a motorcycle um, gang, uh, uh, you know, being, you know, kind of doing horrible things. 
the theme song starts off uh, like it, the the opening lines are something along the lines of like living in this world all alone, <clears throat> which is weird for a show about a motorcycle gang. It's actually like the least accurate lyric you could possibly have because the entire point of the show is that you're not being alone. You're belonging to a gang with strictly codified rules. Right? That's a little fucked up. It's not fucked up. I think it's stupid. But anyway, um, I guess I just don't understand that. Like how, how being a loner... Like, hey, let's make a group of loners. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, there's this old Bill Hicks joke that I... I it goes something like this. I'm murdering it. And I'm, you know, not going for the... You know, in... in the context of a larger bit that makes it funny he's talking about like you know we should make a club full of people haters it's like it's like hey you gonna show up no you gonna show up no fuck we almost had a meeting um so yeah belonging to a group while being a loner it's it, it, it boggles me um this is this is part of the reason i have trouble with like you know twitter groups and things like that where you like hashtag a thing to like belong to it it's weird because it's like well can i just like the stuff you guys like i don't want to I don't want to have to perform the ritual that you guys perform with you guys. Like, I don't want to have to use the terminology that you use and the agreed upon, you know, people that you have elevated as your gods and the people you've elevated as your second in commands. And then, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're avenging angels and then you're like your cherubim and your seraphim. I took that metaphor like a little, a little too far. Um, I should, I probably just stopped at like second commands. Like once you get the cherubim and seraphim, I don't really know what seraphim are, to tell you the truth. I mean, another choir of angel, an order of angel. The point is, it's a weird theme song, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. What I'm talking about right now is the king in yellow. Ooh, look at it. The king in yellow is a story by William Chambers, Chalmers, something. You can look it up. Don't, though, because I'm telling you, it wasn't very good. The reason I read this, and then the reason I watched the television show that spawned my reading this, was because I was seeing all this stuff on the internet about The King in Yellow, how this show on HBO called True Detective, uh, with Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. Um, so, it's a really weird show. I'll get to the show in a second, but I... I I had kept hearing this reference to this rediscovered work, uh, The King in Yellow. Rediscovered work. It's not... It's not often that there's something that was known enough in the past that it could be rediscovered, and I've never heard of it. I don't mean that like an arrogant thing, but I mean it would just be an unknown work, or, you know, this this... I don't know how to word it. I mean, I guess maybe it's just the, the ease of language makes it referred to as like a rediscovered work, but I'd never heard of this dude. I mean, maybe I'd heard his name, but like, I never heard of this King in Yellow or whatever, and all of a sudden everybody was talking about it. I'm like, this is weird. Like, this is a story, I think it was published in, I don't know, 1895 or so, somewhere around there. So, you know, that's not, that's pretty rare for me. So, like, oh, all right, so this is from that True Detective show, and this is that. So, like, but everybody's talking about it. I'm like, all right, well, Speaking about me not wanting to join groups, I do want to read this book because everybody else is reading it, which I've actually never done before. That's why I've never read most of the, the popular, um, the Dan Browns and the, um, the other ones, the, the vampire, uh, the Mormon vampires and the, um, uh, little girl kills people on an island with a bow or like whatever, the, whatever those things are. I don't read any of those for the most part, but, uh, this one was like, oh, this is weird because 1895, it sounds like creepy fiction uh, all right you know i want to give this a go because enough people are talking about it and it's rare that enough people are talking about a book based on a tv you know that because a tv show references it so i read it and okay yeah that was a story it, it i'm sure it was much more poignant at the time or even shortly after or even like 40, 50 years after. I'm basically, basically saying that up until The Twilight Zone became a regular on TV, sure, 
the King in Yellow might be an effective bit of short, odd literature. But in a world that Rod Serling existed in, it's just another, like, yeah, that was kind of interesting. It's not... It's just, eh, to a modern reader. And I don't understand why everybody went bonkers for it. I mean, I understand why everybody went bonkers for it, because the same reason I read it is that everybody else saw that it was getting popular and reading it, everybody else wanted to be part of the group. However, I'm not one of those people that's going to just pretend something's good when it's not, because everybody else is reading this. It's not bad, it's just... It was just there, you know? It was like a... It almost reminded me of watching, like, a... Not that the subject matter at all is like it, but it almost reminded me of watching like a, um, I'm trying to, like, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of one of those films. I'm really bad at these kind of movies, but a, uh, um, the, the Vin Diesel when he's like a, he's like an alien guy, but he sees at night. Like, the first one of those. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, like, I'm not gonna watch it again, like, it was, but it was fine, it was just like, yeah, that was there. I would never recommend it to anybody, it was like, alright, yeah, it's, it was well done, I guess, for what it was, and, you know, that's, that's what it is, okay. You kind of left me with that kind of, like, humdrum feeling. Anyway, the, the point of the, the, the book is essentially uh, one of those, uh, is it real, or is it the work of a crazy man kind of thing, uh, based around this one dude trying to you're reading this manifesto every day, and it's, whoa, everybody that reads the that manifesto goes nuts. Which, I mean, yeah, that's probably was that was probably really big in the, like, at the time. But since that time, like, Lovecraft has done it with the Necronomicon, that, you know, you read this book and you go insane. Um, it was done with, uh, where else have I seen it? I guess... The Way of the Pilgrim is treated as that. Not insane, but it's treated with a that kind of almost um, dangerous reverence in, in the glass stories by J.D. Salinger. Uh, Franny and Franny and Zooey uh, talk about it. And I know it's probably Zoe. Fuck you, I say Zoe. Um, but anyway, yeah, if you want to read it, go for it. But the other side of from this humdrum, like, meh. True Detective fucking rules. It's a really fun show. Uh, it's not a fun show. It's not um, a great show, like, uh, conceptually, I guess, or, like, plot-wise. I mean, the plot's okay, but it's... it's Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey are fucking awesome in it. They're just batshit over-the-top fun to watch. It's it's up there with, with, with Johnny Depp playing Hunter S. Thompson or... Uh, I mean, I can't really think of many other roles that are like, that are to that level where it just seems like they're just having a fucking blast, and it's so weird. McConaughey is fucking awesome in it. Uh, Overview is, it's a, um, uh, uh, Louisiana, uh, cop house, uh, police station, I think you call them, in the world where people know how to use language. Louisiana police station in 2012? 2000-something. 2000 recent. And it's McConaughey and um, and Woody Harrelson are, they were detectives and they're partners. And the, the show is set up as an interview of them in the, you know, the quote-unquote present, you know, 2010 or whatever, talking about the events of 1995, which was these uh, sequence of, well, this one murder that may have been a sequence of murders that, it, you know, has this kind of ritualistic overtone. And that ritualistic overtone is where the, the king in yellow um, references come in and why it became you know popular in the internet. But uh, McConaughey plays this overly smart kind of um, how does one like a kind of like what, how, how like I don't know how people describe me but the way people describe me, but like, just take away the funny part, or you know, that uh, it's just this kind of self-examinatory kind of, you know, what it is. It's 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 um like a Nietzschean um, one of those kind of I just give up kind of style of philosophy, um, like a, a yeah, I think Nietzsche would be a good way to put it, or, or even a um, 
kind of like how many people like Nietzsche or like like Camus or um, let's just say that because the other one I want to say I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'm just going to leave it there. I, the guy that wrote No Exit, but I'm not saying his name. Sartre. Um, yeah, it's something like that. But anyway, and then Woody Harrelson is more like the meat and potatoes kind of southern cop. And the interaction between them is great. And, and yeah, just whatever, man. If you're into good acting, and it, the storyline is so fucking weird, and the visuals are really good in the show. Like, it's shot really well. Uh, give it a listen. Uh, give it a watch. And the listen uh, I just looked into is the fucking theme song is fucking weird. It's The theme song is almost like if, if Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs did a theme. Let me... Now that I have a mixer, let me see if I can bring this up while we're talking. I'm going to stress all ability I have here. Uh, uh, let's see. What did I just talk about? True Detective theme song. Um, true Detective intro. All right, let's see. I have no idea what this is going to sound like through the thing, so let's listen. Size 14. In the I'd fuck me. Poison Creosote. Lotion on skin. What else gets my pose again? She twines her spines up slowly towards the boiling sun. And when I touched her skin, my fingers ran with blood. Is she a great big fat person? smell your cunt. God, I fucking love Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I'm turning that down. Okay, sorry about that. Um, I turned that down because the chick part actually is very pretty. But uh, And then it goes, it plays around and the, the weird Silence of the Lambs guy starts again. But man, it's fucking weird. It's creepy, right? I hope that played. Except for the part where I just had the scream because I don't know why it just went really loud. Anyway, watch True Detective on HBO. This has been Alex's Pop Culture and Something Corner. Also in Alex's Pop Culture in Something Corner, I watched a movie. But Alex, you don't watch movies. I know. But I watched a movie. Well, I watched a modern movie. I do watch old movies. But I watched This Is The End, starring the fat guy from a bunch of movies and the handsome guy from a bunch of movies and the second lead, who I don't know who he is, and the kid from Superbad. And, yeah, I don't know who most of the people are, except for the ones that I knew their name because they kept saying it. So it was James Franco, Seth Rogen. I don't know the name of the second lead, but the Indian lady from um, some TV show referred to him as being a million-dollar baby. But I've never seen that movie, so it's that guy. Um, I don't know the name of the kid from Superbad, but he's in everything. And... uh, uh the guy from, um, what the, f- oh my god, I'm really bad with names, um, Eastbound and Down is in it, uh, the lead from Eastbound and Down, the, uh, the, the pitcher, who's kind of a dickhead, uh, and he was fucking great, and anyway, I really enjoyed the fuck out of the movie, it's kind of a, uh, post-apocalyptic, or apocalyptic comedy, and, oh man, I fucking loved it. Not loved it. Loved it's a really strong word. I just, I found it in, I, I liked it on the exact level I think I was supposed to, which is rare, because usually those movies don't really hit me, because I don't, I don't like a, a ton of pop culture references, I didn't know who a lot of people were, but, yeah, I really dug it, so, uh, that's a recommendation from me to you. The thing that sucks about it, though, is because I was writing a, a post-apocalyptic comedy with, uh, Sean a while ago, and I was actually just thinking about repicking it up, so, but by the time I'm done, man, that movie will probably be forgotten, and it's, this is a road trip style, not a, not a, um, not a stuck in James Franco's house style movie. So I think, I think we can get away with it. Oh, and um, not Tracy Morgan was in it, and uh, uh, uh Craig, Craig, uh, he's fuck, Craig Robinson. No, I think that might be it. Real heavy set guy. Uh, 
shit, I don't know anybody. Oh, he was in The Office, because I saw... Yeah, he was in The Office. I've definitely seen that show, and he was one of the basement guys in The Office. I'm terrible at everything. But the point is, this is the end. Funny movie. So, thank you. Uh, at this point, I'm going to leave you for just a second. Uh, this is going to be a new uh, segment. Maybe repeated, maybe not. I referenced the last one. So, our friend Thomas from Leeds, I guess. Yeah, Leeds, because he's from the place from an Amanda Palmer song. I don't know anything about England, as as we've discussed. As By we, I mean me. I've said this on the show many times. Leeds, I only know from an Amanda Palmer song called Leeds United, which is a fun song. I mean, I've heard the term Leeds, don't get me wrong, but um, I certainly wasn't familiar with it. But all I know is that Thomas is from there, and Amanda Palmer wrote a song about it. And um, what else do I know about Leeds? Uh, Leeds, no, I think there's a, I mean, there's a football club from there. But I think the only reason I know that is because I asked somebody. And because it's England, there's a football club from everywhere. So that was a stupid thing. But hey, England people that are fucking laughing at me for how dumb I am, trust me, every American didn't think how stupid that was. They were just like, yeah, yeah, there probably is a football club from there. They didn't realize that, you know. So just when when you're blaming me for how dumb I am uh, about England, I do have to talk to my American audiences. I, you know, I do know uh, quite a bit about about the football. Uh, I know, I know just huge amounts about cricket uh the term wicket and bowlers and um the ashes see i'm a i'm a regular english phone <laughs> okay uh so yeah we're gonna uh play this little thing from thomas i don't know how long it is it's probably a few minutes but and then i'll be back to talk more and answer your questions that you guys have provided me please enjoy Hello, and welcome to Thomas's English Muffins, your one-stop shop for all things quintessentially English within the Alex cast. Today's lesson, what is the difference between England, Great Britain, the United Kingdom, and the British Isles? Of course, these are all, to some extent, names covering the same landmass. The easy way to picture these different names in the countries is to imagine a set of Russian matryoshka dolls. In this set of dolls, the British Isles is the largest doll, followed by the United Kingdom, Great Britain, Britain, and finally the individual respective countries of England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Geographically speaking, the British Isles consist of the two main islands, Great Britain and Ireland, as well as over 5,000 small islands, such as the Isle of Man, Orkney, the Shetland Islands, and the Channel Islands. The United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, known as the UK, is a union of what were once four individual countries, England, Scotland, Wales and Ireland. This union was first made in 1707 when Scotland, England and Wales were united after an act was passed by both Scottish Parliament and Westminster in London. The Irish Parliament then voted to join the union in 1801, though the southern counties then chose to leave this, this union in 1922 and form what is now known as the Republic of Ireland. Great Britain is the name of the two kingdoms of England and Scotland as well as the Principality of Wales. This term was first coined during the reign of King James I of England, who was also King James VI of Scotland, in 1603. To complicate things further, however, Britain consists only of England and Wales, with the name dating back to Roman times with their name of Britannia referring only to the lands of England and Wales which were conquered by the Romans. Finally, we come to the individual countries. England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, each with their own capital cities of London, Edinburgh, Cardiff and Belfast respectively, and populations varying from 53 million in England to 1.8 million in Northern Ireland. Hopefully, this very brief geography lesson will prevent any unfortunate incidents occurring of misnaming countries. We are not all English in the United Kingdom, though some in the United Kingdom are English. And whatever you do, don't call the Scotsman English. They don't like that. Next time on Thomas's English Muffins, cricket. But for now, good night, God bless, and God save the Queen. Come on down to the standard. 14 Northeast 22nd. 14 Northeast 22nd. Northeast Portland. 
conveniently in America. That somebody made for the standard. That's right, the standard. Facebook.com slash the standard PDX. The standard. It's where I go in Portland to get drunk. And I like to get drunk because my life is a festering pool of shit. And the only thing that helps me is to distance myself from my overactive mind, showing me that there actually is nothing in this world that's worth living for and that I should just end it. But I can dull my senses at the standard. That's right, the standard. 14 Northeast 22nd. 14 Northeast 22nd. Yep. Fun times. But thank you, uh, Thomas, for your contribution. I'm not going to reference anything specifically about that contribution because I actually haven't listened to it yet. But I know I'm going to put it there because I introduced it and left a blank space. Questions from the audience. Last Moon Stands asked me, what's my opinion of ASMR? Uh, do I experience ASMR? Sucks to your ASMR, dude. Sucks to your ASMR. It'd be funny if I didn't answer the question and I just read that so I could make a Lord of the Flies reference, but I'm not going to. What I'm going to do is answer that question, and I'm going to answer it thusly. Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, ASMRI, ASMR, uh, sorry, uh, uh, MRI is a magnetic resonance imaging, uh, uh, it just, it, when I read MR, and, yeah. Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, ASMR, no I, is neologism for, uh, neologism, Okay, everybody just do that. Uh, if you guys know how to edit, just pull that part out and mock me incessantly. So a neologism for a uh, perpetual phenomenon characterized by distinct pleasurable tingling sensation in the head, scalp, back, or peripheral regions of the body in response to visual, auditory, olfactory, or cognitive stimuli. The nature and classification of ASMR phenomenon is controversial. Tom Stafford, a professor at the University of Sheffield, says it might well be a real thing, but it's inherently difficult to research. I got that from somewhere. I'm assuming Wikipedia. I think I get ASMR, but here's the problem. And I answered this in one of the aborted episodes, but I didn't want to go too deep into it. I'm not going to get deep into it now, but I am a bit on um, what I think we'd call anhedonic. Um, anhedonic is the inability to experience pleasure at normally pleasurable things. Um... This kind of goes broad spectrum. I don't really like sex. I don't like dancing. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have pleasure. I like, you know, a few things, but I like them. So I don't know what this deep pleasure thing is. I say that to start because there are times where someone is doing something like kind of, the way I describe it is doing something nice for me, but it's a very specific kind of nice. Like if, if like if a waitress happens to be like, going out of her way but it seems like but i buy it like it's not like because i'm pretty good at reading people so it's like the rare time where it's like oh this person actually we do have a rapport and she touches my arm or something like that not necessarily the touch of the arm but there's a, something in the like somebody going to get me a glass of water that will trigger this tingling down the spine what is described as asmr but i told somebody else that and they said yeah that's just what you know that's just being that's just what you know feeling good feels like and uh, and then I just had this massive existential crisis of uh, w w maybe I don't know what feeling good feels like because I know that there's certain things that everybody else likes that I don't and I don't really seem to take the same amount of joy from the world like maybe I'm just I don't I don't know what what everybody else feels like when they feel good so what I think is ASMR is actually just my getting somewhat close to having a human emotion so. With that complete well of misery and bonkerness in mind, yeah, I do have it in that situation. And assuming that is ASMR, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. But I think it's just one of those things where... I think it's one of those things that the only reason it's brought up is because... Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? I should describe this better. ASMR it, it recently has become a phenomenon because it... Uh, well, one, the name was coined, but a lot of people get it but there's these youtube videos a few of, of mainly like really soft voice women doing uh kind of banal tasks while describing it so it'd be like i'm folding over this tissue that tissue is now folded i will place the tissue on top of the pile good i will now get the next tissue and just you know kind of like that um obviously it won't work for my voice because 
as we discussed earlier, I, I sound like uh, the wailing of the innocents as they're being bathed in a lake of fire. Uh, so it'd become a popular thing. So I think it might, I think it might be one of those things where it's now just become. We live in such a connected world that it's enough people talk about such minutia that we finally got around to giving a name and finding a service for people that have this. Not necessarily like this is a new phenomenon. So I think it's completely normal. I I, I would almost equate it to the piss shivers or the floaters. Piss shivers, I think everybody knows, or at least dudes know. I don't know if women get them as much or at all. I say that this is not like a, a sexist thing. I just, I've never really heard women talk about it. And in the age we live in now, I've certainly heard women talk about their bodily functions more than I care to hear. And that goes for men too. I don't really want to know about your, your, your maturations or your feces. But um, I think it might be something along those lines where, you know, when people talk about it, they're like, oh my God, you get those too. It's like this kind of bouncing awareness. I know floaters are that same way in that, you know, floaters are the little um, kind of detached pieces of, like, cell that float in front of your eye. So on, like, certain, like, if you're kind of paying attention or, like, on sunny days, you can see that's kind of floating, blurry, odd-shaped thing. People that don't have it, oftentimes have never heard of it. Now, this has kind of gone away in the, in the post-internet world or the post-start of internet world. Um... But it's one of those things where once you start talking about it, you know, people are like, oh, my God, I have that, too. Or if you talk to someone that doesn't have it, you go, oh, fuck, you know, we I have no idea what you're talking about. You, that really happens to you. So I know I've said this on the show before on somebody's show about the floaters, but I think it might be just one of those things where. Where because we got we have such a mass of people talking to each other about everything that at some point these kind of it almost becomes a meme and it becomes a meme to the point that people can kind of recognize it and give it a name while all it is is just a natural thing that's been happening forever just we never put a word on it like i never thought to have that conversation with someone about that kind of tingling down the spine feeling yet during that certain kind of feeling cared about moments by in very specific situations with certain noise and sound and whatever structures never would have occurred to me until asmr came around and then i go oh well that sounds like what i'm describing but again you know, I'm I'm just some anhedonic fuck that I don't know if that's just me not knowing what pleasure feels like. I shouldn't say, I, I kind of regret saying I don't enjoy sex because I feel like I'll never get it again. It's not that I don't enjoy sex. It's that when people talk about, like, mind-blowing sex or life-changing sex, I, 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 I don't, I, yeah, I certainly have never had that. And no offense to, like, any of my ex-lovers that are that are listening to the show, but, um, no, I, I no, it's, it's, I... I don't know that it could be mind-blowing. It's, it's, uh, maybe I just not built that way. But, yeah, it's just, like, it's, you just, like, you fuck for a while, and then you, you know, you orgasm, and it's like, oh, that was, that was, that was great. You know? Maybe not great, it was like, oh, that was, it's more just like a, a relief. It's almost, it's almost itch-like. Um, <laughs> that, now, now I'm exaggerating. But, no, uh, mind-blowing, no, um. Maybe, maybe, yeah, I'm too, I'm, I live in my head too much. I don't really like having a body that, that, that much, so that might be it. But, so I don't know if I can answer the ASMR uh, more than that, but yeah, I'm familiar with it, and it's interesting as fuck, and I guess I have it, but I don't know what it's like not to, and I don't know what it's like to live in the, in anybody else, so I don't really, I don't really know. Um, <clears throat> I had this thought, too, uh, just to keep the, the completely downtrodden uh, horribleness going. I was looking, uh, at, I don't remember what I was looking at. Anyway, it was like a thing of somebody uh, in a, in uh, uh, sitting under a tree reading a book, and uh, the thought of uh, the thought of laying around in the grass and taking a nap or sitting in a tree, you know, sitting next to a tree and reading a book is is kind of um, disgusting to me uh, on a certain level. Um, I think I realized why because I don't I don't want bugs crawling on me. And I wonder why this bothers me so much. And it kind of occurred to me is this, is that I, I want to wear this carefully because I don't want to get Baker acted. But I feel like I'm so close to dying at like every second. Um, I feel like like either my heart's going to give out or or like I always feel like I have like some kind of cancer or something. I just feel like I've been really, I, like I'm just really close to death. <clears throat> 
And I don't mean that in a in a time sense. I mean that in a like in a spiritual sense, let's word it this way, because this actually makes it a little bit less dark. Because I I don't mean this in a dark way. I mean it is dark because I'm you know, I'm a fucking dark person. I think anybody that tries to be funny and write um is dark. It's the way it works. But what I mean is it's almost as if I wasn't meant to have a body again. Like like I, I you know, in a reincarnation sense, I mean, this is a this is a metaphor because I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, sort of believe in reincarnation, but that's a bigger topic. What I mean is, it's almost as if I chose to reincarnate, like in a, in a. It's almost like I tick the box of like, yeah, give me a really fucked up life that that is that's on the verge of ending like give me give me a give me a rotting corpse to walk around in like no no it's got to be animated and it's got to be you know reasonably healthy like i'm not talking be be a leper but i want to i want to like i want a really well working you know i want i want a 74 pinto to drive uh you know at any point it could blow up you know i don't know if it's pintos that used to explode with any small contact but whatever that car is is the thing i'm referencing like i feel like in the in the whatever spiritual plane, I went. Yeah, I want to make this hard on myself because you know I think the the more difficult you have it, the more um, you know the more you can gain. So maybe this is my my fast forward to becoming you know bodhisattva, enlightened, uh, turning into gold in an alchemical sense. This is my way to meet Hermes Trismegistus or Thoth or Dehuti. Um, but the point is. Uh, I feel like I'm like seconds away. Like I feel like I'm rotting. Like, and I've always felt this way. Not rotting is the wrong way. Because again, I don't mean to be do. Like, there's times where I do feel, you know, I feel like healthy enough. Like I eat healthy. Like I'm, I, you know, I can, I can walk and and jog and stuff. Not for long because I've got shitty knees. But the point is, it's not that. It's not that. It's just like almost. Um, it's just driving around in a pinto. So. The idea of sitting in a tree reading a book and having these these ants crawl on me would be, um would be it would be so close to being death you know i was gonna say death again i swear i've lived before i know i've talked about going to past life regression on the show i'm really even it's been so long since i did the past life regression i really think i've lived before because i really just said death again I, i've died before but having bugs crawl on you is like a or being in the dirt is like being in the dirt is like being like i'm so close to being just reabsorbed into into whatever the to whatever the hell the great big thing is that we're experiencing right now that we think is walking around in a meat sack and so that's that's why i don't that's why i don't mean this is dark or like a like a like a suicide thing or like a death thing it's more of a transmutation thing to go back to alchemy actually here's a great thing about here's what i'll bring up and this this will make you be less concerned for me because i don't want people to be concerned i'm not a suicide type or a dying type i don't particularly want to i just you know i this is the way i experience the universe um in in Egypt, they didn't have a word for death. I know everybody thinks this is like a death cult. It wasn't. Like they they referred to it. I think they called it like the change or like the happening or something like that. It was something kind of mysterious and kind of M Night Shyamalan movie sounding. Um, but uh, the they, so they didn't have a word for death. They had it, it, like this thing that happened. It's like you went through the you know the metamorphosis, the change, the blah blah blah, and that's more what I'm referencing. Like. I'm sure you've seen the the big. Uh, I actually saw it at one in person. It's fucking awesome in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in in New York City. There's an Egyptian wing, and you can see an entire what is wrongly called the Egyptian Book of the Dead, and it's this massive fucking. Uh, I don't. I'm gonna say it's a scroll, but I don't. I don't think that's the right term for it. But it's, it's just this giant long papyrus uh, with writing on it talking about what happens after you die and instructions on how to, uh, you know, what to do next. And, you know, this is more for, like, royal people or whatever. I suppose the commoners have the ability as well. But the point is, it's not the Book of the Dead. It's uh, It would rightfully translated be the book of what happens to you when you enter the Duat. The Duat is what happens after you die. And it is this metaphorical kind of transit system. And it brings you through these various... It's 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 almost like a video game. It brings you through these various uh, mini bosses, and I guess you know, to my memory, I don't think there actually is like a final boss. But the idea is that you have to kind of, you know, you have to go through like level one, and level one is, uh, you know, like speak the name of the seven ancient signs of Lespida, and then it's like 
level two is is you know have a fire flower and defeat King Koopa, and then level three is is uh, you know uh, you know state the name of the constellation you're from, and then you enter fully enter the duad and you become you know this. Um, you become a godlike being, you know. It's going going with the alchemical thing. Their phrase is "as above, so below." It's it's a reflection of the stars, a reflection of the of the spiritual world onto the earth realm, and so yeah. So it's entering the duat. So when I so that's more what I'm referencing when uh, when amazingly this is my answer for why I don't want to sit under a tree and read a book. <laughs> but what the fuck is I? There is no way anybody else has ever answered that. There's no fucking way anybody else in this universe has ever went. Oh, why don't you? Why don't you want to sit under a tree? Oh, here, let me tell you about a Egyptian uh, ritual based around the change from being a living person. To that. It's fucking nutty. Anyway, so that's my answer. But it just, I just thought of it. Is that you know, much like this ASMR thing. Like, I don't know what it's like to be in other bodies, but like, I feel like now that this one's breaking down or dying in like a real way, but it's almost like it's 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 a you know it's a shitty loner, and that it's you know that. Maybe that's the way to do it, you know. It's uh, maybe I just read too much Buddhism in high school. The point is that's my answer. Questions from the audience. Uh, at Veggie Vixen, the wonderful Veggie Vixen, V E G E V I X E N. She seems to like being followed by the weirdos that listen to the show, so I would very much recommend that you follow her on Twitter at V E G E V I X E N. She was tweeting uh, about lovely vegan cookies the other day, and it made me hungry, which made me, of course, buy a pizza. I don't know how that happened, but. I also have a degree in poetry and just told you about Egyptian death rites to answer a question that no one asked about me sitting under a tree. She asked. She has a bunch of them, so I just want to see uh, which one here. Uh, what were you doing the last time you looked at the clock and realized you had lost all track of time? I can tell you exactly what I was doing. I was trying to put together the uh, equipment for the podcast and figure out what was wrong and what I wanted to have happen was about a 45-minute thing of me putting wires together, hearing noise come out and go, huzzah! And then it turned into this massive clusterfuck of, of grabbing other computers to test things, and then the other computer not having the right software on it. And the next thing I know, I just burned what I thought would be a 45-minute thing was, I think it was about four hours when I gave up. Um, previous to that, it's I was reading, talking earlier, I mentioned that I don't read the popular books. I did get around to reading Harry Potter recently, and um, I was reading, I don't remember which one, because I just downloaded them all at once, but I was reading one of the ones in the middle somewhere, and uh, I got really hooked onto it. It's the one right before they figure out they're going for Horcruxes, so I actually don't even remember what, how many books there are. But the point is, I got really into that, and I just like, oh shit, I just, you know, it was one of those, I didn't read in one sitting, I've never been a one sitting read a book kind of person, but like, you know, it was a significant portion of the book uh, was read, so I was like, oh fuck, I really need to go to sleep, it's like 2.30 in the morning and I have work in a few hours. So there's not anything else now. Uh, toughest decision you had to make in the last few months? I don't really make tough decisions. Um... No, I don't. Yeah, sorry. I wish I could answer that one. I shouldn't even read that out loud because, no, I, uh, I don't. I live. I mean, I live alone. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything. I mean, it's most of most of my life is kind of. Yeah, most of my life is kind of. Oh, you know what? Actually, I do have an answer for this. Yeah, look at me. The only thing I really like have control over is like the creative stuff because everything else. You know, I go to work every day. Uh, the majority of that money goes to credit card companies that I bought shit with when I was in college and still have not paid back because I've never had a job that paid anything uh, that allowed me to pay back that shit. Uh, the, um, you know, and then, you know, I found an apartment I can afford, so that's that. Um, my, you know, so that's all, like, financially I don't have decision-making powers. And then socially I haven't really, it's not like, a, it's not like, oh, I, I have to choose between, you know, B Betty and, Veronica on who to go out on a fancy date tonight because you know that's not happening so I don't really have like a lot of like choice in in my life put in front of me so I don't really have that but the one I do is the creative side is um well there's a few actually one is uh quitting the Alex cast I wasn't thinking about quitting it but I was thinking about drastically restructuring the show uh I was going to keep the Alex cast like this thing uh not this thing with me talking to Mike I was going to keep the Alex cast as a kind of fun 
just all turn it, I should say, into like more fun. Just every episode I'm Skyping with a different person, you know, that kind of thing. And you maybe try to get some regulars, whatever, like try to turn it into something a little bit more calm, a little bit more like normal. You know, I want it. Honestly, I want it a little bit more boring. I want it to just be like any other podcast because like it seems like those do pretty well. And I was kind of losing faith in the fact that like anybody would want to listen to me, you know, so I wanted whatever. So that was one. And to continue that thought, I was going to do like a separate podcast for the kind of writing, serious, spiritual, whatever, all the, all the other stuff about me, but I didn't, um, I decided not to, it seems like a Twitter thing is I wanted to make a Twitter account for like Alex Baldwin and then have an Alex cast Twitter account, but I realized that no one pays attention on my Twitter account now, so, or on my Facebook account, uh, facebook.com slash alexcast at the AlexCast on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so I decided not to split those up. So those were there. And then, but the major one was, uh, talking about creatively, was the books. So a few months ago, I don't know how many months, but it was a bit ago now. Uh, okay, let me go backtrack. I finished Periphery, uh, the novel I wrote, which is available on Amazon. I would very much like for you to purchase one or two or ten or fifteen. Uh, the Kindle is only five bucks, so... That's pretty cool. And if you buy the um, if you buy the regular version, uh, if you buy the uh, Dead Tree version, you get the Kindle version for free. Uh, if you have a Kindle, so that's cool. But anyway, so or maybe it's like you get the Kindle version for like two bucks or something or a buck. It's it's some it's really like a good deal. But anyway, um, so I finished that. Uh, I published that last um, last June, I think. And um, I was trying to figure out what my next book was going to be. The idea was I was going to do this book about um, essentially kind of time travel with a bit of spirituality and kind of metaphysics. Uh, and then I was concurrent with that. I was going to write some write some nonfiction about, you know, kind of living life with uh, depression, you know, manic depression, anxiety, that kind of thing. And I started to write both of them. And I started to... Uh, I started to doubt the um, the time travel one, and so I wrote this outline for another book, and I started to write a comic book, and then I went back to the time travel one, and then I came up with ideas of shit to write about the um, the uh, depression one, and then I went back to time travel, and then I gave up on that, and so I found myself like in this fucking loop, and the comic book didn't work out because I couldn't find anybody to do illustrations for it. Uh, I can't draw well enough to do comics. It just, I wouldn't be able to differentiate the characters well enough to have it work. So I kind of put that on the back burner. I haven't given up on it, but I put it on the back burner. And then the the um, nonfiction thing, I mean, I'm still, I'll probably write them every now and again, but for the most part, I can't, I realize I can't concentrate on it because the mood for me to write is very different from the mood that I'm in when I'm in a, like a really low state, when I'm like feeling really down. So, I realized that I, I, I didn't want to put myself, I, I didn't want to make myself d depressed while I'm in a writing mood, because uh, I just, I just thought I'd be fucking with it, so I put that away. So, I just, I, I had to figure out what book to write, so I ended up going back to the, this idea that I outlined, and I've been writing that recently, that's going to be the next book. Um, essentially, uh, the, the book is about, uh, not about, but. The, the the idea is it, so a guy uh, is driving home uh, from from his you know normal boring office job, and he sees a uh, moving van in front of his apartment, and he talks to his landlord who uh, you know shares the uh, up, you know shares an apartment down the hall, and uh, she's quite surprised that he's there because he has been dead for thirty days, and um, it moves from there of um, our hero trying to figure out why the hell um, everybody thinks he's dead, and you know trying to kind of get his life back and you know moves from there it's actually it's it's the parts i've written are they're not as complex they're not as like kind of philosophically nuanced as as periphery but i think as far as like a traditional fiction work and it's certainly not traditional it's just more traditional in periphery it's pretty good but anyway um i like it is what i'm saying at parts of it and then there's other parts i just want to give up and just have somebody else do it for me or just you know somebody give me a hug so i can have some asmr but um uh, yeah, so that was a big decision, trying to figure out what the next book to write would be. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the biggest one I've made in, in forever, just because it's, it's really... 
I don't know. It's just it's it's such a big. It's weird because it's it's a super huge commitment to to decide on what book to write or what you know what the next big um, creative endeavor for me is going to be. But it's also not a commitment at all because I know what's going to happen. You know, like I, I've tried to quit writing before, and it. I mean, it maybe lasted a week, and then I fucked up and wrote a poem. Like it's just it's something that I do, so it's it's weird. So it's like a commitment while it's not a commitment. You know, it's almost like if you're if you're one of those people that like you know needs to jog every day to feel good. It's 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 more like which direction which path you want to jog instead of your decision to jog which not the best metaphor i've ever come up with or or, or analogy or simile i don't know anyway the point is it was one and that's the important part so yeah uh i have been alex you have been the audience and i want to thank you guys for sticking around thank you very much for the donations uh listen to the last little mini sode i named all of them and uh tried to say uh, nice things. I don't know. And I actually, I need more than just the people that donated because I wanted to mix in some people that were just nice to me while I was really frustrated because one, I wasn't sure if people really wanted to know. I wasn't sure if people wanted their name out there about whether or not they want to donate. I don't know why. It just feels like, I think it's just me, you know, having really low self-esteem and it's like, why would anybody want to fucking donate to me? So, so yeah. Uh, but um, thank you for that. And um, long story short, I have everything fixed, but I'm going to need a sooner rather than later a new computer. Uh, I know someone has an old one that they're going to lend to me uh, soon, which hopefully I'll last then, last till then. But uh, so just remember that on the Alex House site, please click the Amazon link before you shop on Amazon. If you need an ebook, uh, uh, sorry, uh, an audiobook, click the Audible link. You get a free audiobook and like a 15, 30 day trial, and I get 15 bucks for everybody that does that. So that's awesome. Uh, and they just canceled before then. I keep the money. You keep the book. Everybody wins. And there's a PayPal link. So if ever you, like, you know, if you win, you know, if you're like, oh, man, I just won fucking 500 bucks on a scratch-off ticket. You know, if you can think of your old friend Alex, you know, maybe throw me five, ten bucks, you know. Throw me two bucks, you know. Uh, I was saying that if everybody that listened to the show gave me two bucks, I would, um, I would, well, I wouldn't be able to afford everything I need. But good God, I would, I would put myself back on my feet of, uh, having a computer like having like a new computer not this computer i mean this computer works other than the the um the usb port is the the i guess the power source is going out so i have it plugged in i have it plugged into a powered i have the um the mixer plugged into a powered usb port that goes into the regular one i don't know why that works it shouldn't but it does but i'm assuming this thing's not gonna last that long so anyway the main thing is uh if you can support the show in any way just you know or uh, buy a couple books um, you know, click the PayPal link, click all around. That's just, the thing is, uh, I could use your help. I'm set for now, but, um, don't think the for now is going to last for long because as I just described, I'm falling apart. Everything I can see is falling apart. The universe is falling apart. We're being crunched back together eventually, or just dissipating. Who knows? The fact is, those are ways you can help. And everybody always says like, Hey, how can I help the world? This is a way to help. You can help some fat guy living in a basement that thinks he's an occultist. What's better than that? beautiful so i've been alex you've been the audience thank you very much for listening again uh i am very uh for for whatever happiness i can derive from this universe i do derive that kind of happiness from uh, being able to put out a show and have people listen to it nothing makes me feel better than when you guys interact with me so find me at the alex cast seriously i really like when you guys talk to me so especially if i've never heard from you before just you know, give me give me a little shout out or uh, alexcast at gmail.com. I know a lot of you are uh, not a lot, but I probably have about a dozen or so that write to me because uh, they don't like being in public. Um, so, yeah, do that. OK, cool. Bye.